What up, what up, y'all, man? It's your friendly neighborhood, man. J5TH, we live and back. Patio Politics, man, I'm one-third of the politics, man. Shout out to DJ Infant J and Lady LP. But in here, you got me, man. So today, we got a very, very special, dope, dope show, man. The title of today is Easley, Easty. Easley, excuse me, Easley Enlightened with Blue Ambition. Easley Enlightened with Blue Ambition. Now, if somebody would have told me, man, that I was getting ready to interview this guest back in 2007 when I had the uh, pleasure and privilege of, of meeting him for the first time on a, on a red carpet at the BT Awards, man, I probably would have laughed at you and said, nah. Also, the pleasure of him being in a movie that I had happened to direct, man, I would have laughed at you a long time ago. So, without further ado, man, we're going to drop this intro and we'll be back with our guests after this right here, Patio Politics. We hope you stay a while, cause it's right for life, trying to be part of your life, we got whatever you like. Come on and just give us a try, yeah Cause it's right up for life Trying to be part of your life We got whatever you like Come on and just give us a try, yeah I said it's right up for life Come in with the shows that you like We trying to be the best on the mic DJ playing cuss that you like, yeah It could be the start of your day Or maybe just the end of your night uh, uh. But if you rock it with us, patio politics is gonna do you right. Oh, Cause it's right up for life. Trying to be part of your life. Yeah. We got whatever you like. Whatever you like. Come on and just give us a try. Yeah. Cause it's right up for life. Oh. Trying to be part of your life. Oh. We got whatever you like. You better stay a while, because if you don't, we're going to kidnap your ass and put you in the back of a truck, man. So I hope y'all here <laughs> to stay locked in and tuned in, man. So without further ado, I'd like to bring to you a very, very special guest, man. One of my inspirations, he's from the side of the 110 that I was born and raised from, man. So this is homegrown. This is my comrade, my loke, my partner. Spider Loke in this motherfucker, man. <laughs> What up, man? It's the deal, Tizzle. <laughs> hey, you tell me, man. How you feeling, brother? Bless, man. Um, um, Jita is how I like to term it these days. That's an acronym for gratitude is the attitude. So, yes, sir. Jita, very energetically, is how I feel. Man, well, well, let me tell you, man, first and foremost, man, thank you for coming. It's a blessing and privilege to have you here at the patio, man. Appreciate the invite, man. Yeah. My mama, mama. Yeah, man. And like you say, man, I'm going to keep it a Google and tell you, man. Uh, crazy part about it, my first introduction to you, man, I was featured on a BT uh, show called College Hill years, years ago, um, around 05, 2006. That's when I really started hearing about you. Um, a lot of my comrades were saying, man, there's somebody named Spider Logo off the east side, man, that's rapping. They... And getting it and killing it and all that then i started li uh, listening to your music the first introduction uh from me to you was out there mm. i'm easty and uncouth ain't mm. much beneath me yeah mm. now when i heard ain't that i'm like yeah yeah yeah. That, yeah yeah you know what i'm saying that was my first introduction to you man so take me to the beginning the beginning rider like how did you get your name spider Loke and all that before we get to just the origin and well, we doing gospel music, all that. Actually, my name has never been Spider Lope. Mm -hmm. I'm a baby spider from 97th Street. So, okay. The, the reason why I received that name is because I got a big brother that was from the set before me, and his name was Spider. Ah. So, um, just me being the type of individual that I am, I attempted to name myself other than uh, Spider 
not really because I had an issue being spider under my brother. More so that shout out to Lil Spider. Uh my homie Lil Spider is not related to my brother and myself. And I kinda had more of an issue with being under somebody else other than my brother. Yeah. Because caught a cold cold case quite long ago and he's reputable enough that eventually under influence and pressure from my brother, I changed my name from Webloke, which I had tried to stay associated with it. Yeah. <laughs> and as corny as Webloke sound now, I, I would have put a stamp on it. It would have sounded, because Spider sounded corny the first time I heard it. When Cuz got his name turned Spider, I was a young nigga. To me, that reminded me of like a motorcycle gang or something. I'm like, what kind of shit is that? Yeah, yeah. But it's only the way nigga carry it, the way it don't sound corny no more. But I had chose Webloke, he wasn't feeling that. And that's how I became Baby Spider because my big bro, shout out Big SPI as well, and Tiny SPI, they all doing time. My nephew is Tiny Spider, which is my brother's son, mm -hmm. who just so happened when he was born, my brother was in prison, so I was more of his father for the majority of the, few, the first years of his life, so I got a real tight bond with my nephew as well. But that's the, that's the simple story behind the Spider name. Ah, gotcha. The Spider Loke shit came from uh, the nigga 50 Cent. Uh, I think he used to just hear like just like saying if you had had a hump a homie named Dopey and yeah. he'd walk up and I'm Dopey Loke. Dopey Loke, yeah. I think he'd hear that and I don't know if it just was ringing it. Next thing I know, that's what I was being called, Spider Loke. I might have referred to myself as that a, a few times and then from that opposite side, I don't know how it became I don't even remember the exact moment where that became my name. Ah, uh, okay. I was just the Loke. Now tell me before before your initial put on on the set Was you already rapping Or I've been rapping since Like uh, Well Before rapping Was simultaneously Along with rapping I used to write poems Since Like Elementary school And It's never been something I stopped doing So It, it was definitely uh, Predated My involvement in gangs However I've never been put on Quoted Got In the sense of being quoted uh, Never Got you and let me see, do you remember your first poem, the name of your first poem? Not at all. I wish I knew that it was um, applicable because recently my father gave me an envelope of some poems I wrote when I was quite young. So the envelope is so old that I, he has it on the manila envelope. It says Norvell's pager number. He got my pager number on there. So that's how long ago it was. But I actually grew up going to private school under a, a very religious upbringing from our single mother. I was her only child. Mm -hmm. So um, I have some poetry that probably will shock you that I, I pen myself at quite a young age. Yeah, okay, okay. And then I know you was bouncing back from Compton to the east side. Yes, definitely. Um, my mother, single mother, I'm her only child. She lived in Compton in the track new area. Um, my father, who also had other sons lived on the east side of South Central. Some call it Watts, Century and Avalon between Century and Central mm -hmm. on 99th. So that's what was my terrain up and down Central Avalon all my life. My grandmother stayed off El Segundo, so that strip of land was just really, really like native to me. Just I slid up Central. Seemed like I had a typical habit to go up Central on the way back, go down Avalon. Sometime didn't at some time at some point it just turned into Avalon was the way up and down. Yeah. Yeah, but that's I just know a whole lot about that stretch of land in between there. So was it any um let me see, conflict of interest with you between possibly joining Tragnul and being from Nah, it was just a natural thing for the way my mother attempted to raise me that I had way more action when I went to my daddy house. I had older brothers that had already got 
involved. So uh, it just was natural to where I had way more action to get cracking was at my daddy's house. So I fell into the to the hands of those peers of mine before I could really get loose with them. By the time I got to like fucking with the track news on some gangbanging, I was already from the set. So uh, I done collabed with a lot of my childhood friends just because we was all cribbing. To this day, some of my best friends are still from track news. Shout out Park Bow, Nunu. My locs, you know, niggas I talk to and build with in politic on a regular basis, even on the patio, you dig a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Now, did your brothers give you a lot of shit? Like, because I know you, like you said, you came from a religious background, so when you went to Pop's house on the east side, I know how east side niggas can be. Was they roughing you up, talking shit? Definitely. Not, <laughs> not necessarily um, talking shit about the way I was raised. A lot of times, um, probably get joked on because um, I was raised up not to eat pork, so. Yeah. Their mother, while I was kicking them bacon, would make me like a burger patty while she making breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Things of that nature. Um, my brothers, for the most part, seemingly had a protective attitude over me. I think a, a few times with my brother right over me, Spider, it might have been a little bit of conflict because my father used to use some of my um, scholastic achievements as an example verbally when I wasn't around. I think to my awareness, try to like, why you can't your little brother be... <laughs> I know that probably could get on your nerves hearing that. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, but we 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 never had much of conflict as adolescents to to recall. It was pretty fun, but you had a little the little bullshit like you know you're on your bikes around the corner, ninety fifth, and you spent the night. You got your brother's shirt on. I can bring my brother's like, why you got my shirt on? Shit like that. Yeah, yeah, regular but, shit. Yeah, a little regular childhood shit, but nothing major. We grew up to like, you know really get down together out here niggas know yeah real talk hey man like hey, explain to the people like what was it like man what's the difference between the east side and west side because a lot of people man i'll be attempting to explain it to them but it seems like they don't get it they think la is just one big melting pot but you got the you got the 110 freeway that divides from the east to west man what what was it like in your generation just growing up and what was the east side like to you well typically just in general um when it comes to urban areas our people I think it transcends Los Angeles or Southern California that um, it just seems like the east side, I know in our situation it's for sure, but it seems typically even the east side is typically more poverty stricken. Yes. But in Los Angeles, it seems like the wealth trickles down from the west down to the east. So therefore, the environments that we dwell in typically become um, or have traditionally been or historically been more treacherous based upon the lack of resources and finances. The ghetto is the ghetto. Yeah. And that's just typically how it's been viewed and typically how things have played out. However, um, when it comes to gang violence and interacting and encountering and war, you know, finances fund wars and strength. So it's not that it's not no niggas that's with all the shits on the West side. It's just that traditionally, um, before I think the game developed into such a sophisticated high-tech war thing, the reputation of the East Side was more notorious because money wasn't as much as an issue. Yeah, Going in and out the system and going to functions and going to places, it was just about the grimiest and the niggas that had the least to lose. Now that it's gotten to another level, I think that little board, that little perception of being worse has gone. It's like, and then it's like even more money on the East Side when you 
than it used to be when you uh, compare the past as far as to street niggas. Yeah. Niggas is knowing how to get to it. It might not be wealth, you know, overall for our people, but you remember when I was coming up from our time, you could be the coldest nigga in the hood with a $700 car, mm-hmm. $400 rims, $400 paint, $20 shoes, $20 khakis. And, you know, that that money thing was a later development into being that nigga on the east side that wasn't always the case yeah nah that's real shit that's real shit and did that ever like play a part when it came down to the music with you with a lot of artists cause it's not it's not too many like artists on the east side well yeah I, I felt um proud to have opportunity to bring some side to some shine to that side of Los Angeles because those that have been successful Prior to me, Ice Cube and mm-hmm. even the CJ Max and the whole, what, it seemed like everything was West Side, West Side. West you side, had Snoop Dogg hollering East Side, but it was Long Beach. Long Beach and yeah. A lot of people don't realize Long Beach is not really directly connected to the everyday interactions and politics of Los Angeles, although it is a neighboring, bordering city. They're not like on no super outskirts, but it's just not the East Side of LA. Exactly. So I did. Um, feel privileged to be able to be amongst the first I don't want to falsely claim it because even those that were from the east side they claim watch like Cam and individuals yep. such as that so I did have somewhat of a, intro, a, a, a uh, the what would I call it the opportunity to be like a pioneer from the east side and amongst that process or amidst that process I, I'm quite proud to announce and establish to the generation behind me that yeah, yes, sir. I coined the phrase Eastie Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, you know, single-handedly not um, creating the word, but I flipped the connotation in the sense that my whole life, being from the east side, it's a word you heard, but it was always a derogatory word. Exactly. Tended to demean or put down people to separate us from the West, from basically, the West like we said. Like, oh. anything that was, like, um, poverty indicative, you would call it easty. And it was like, are they Easty or <laughs> shit like that? Yeah, 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 it was just like uncouth and wild and undesirable. But as an MC and also being of what they would call of the gangster rap and being creative with words, which is something that I tend to be, I just saw that ah, a bad word is a good word. You know, we typically use all kind of words to describe ourselves mm-hmm. that are not like flowery. So I just figured like. Easty, if we G'd up, we grimy, we dirty, we you know whatever we ever. That's Easty. Yeah, that's that's fly. Yeah, and um, one of the most uh, appreciative things that I witnessed on that subject is that the Swans actually started the clothing line called Easty. Yeah, they did, yeah. and they don't deny the origin of the flip of the word. Those are the generation that are aware. They acknowledge it. So, salute to the Easty clothes line about the seventies and eighties. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, man, like you said, you did coin the phrase that you had the whole world on some on some Easty shit and knowing what it's about, man. So shout out to you for that. I got records with the boy saying, this, that, that, that shit, you know, I got the boy singing <laughs> Easty, 97th Street, East Side, on the set, but I got him singing that word Easty on the record. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, tell, now, now, let me know this, though, right? Was it, because um, I don't really consider you to be in that specific genre of gangster rap because yeah i listen to your lyrics how you articulate certain things and just the different things that you talk about the subject matters is on some real life shit do you think you was kind of pigeonholed to be in that gangster rap indeed it was a conscious um decision at one point for me to kind of like 
fit more into that box based on the request mm-hmm. of the CEO of the label. Yeah. It's kind of like a desire that he um, expressed to kind of like, at one point, it was just like generalized, trying to figure how do we separate you from what's here already. And I remember showing up at a video shoot one time and I was banged out, blue rags and all that shit. And then um, the way the director had designed the shot, it had a group of people like low under the camera and we rotate and everybody take the opportunity to pop up. Yeah. And uh, just, we did it number, numerous times, but at one time I did it and I had the rag over my face and when I got up to the camera, I, I like revealed my face or something. I remember we was watching playback and I remember Cuz was like, that's it, that's it. That's how they should see you every time. That separate you from us. And just, you know, being a member of a team, I kind of stepped out of my individuality as a creative person and called myself trying to be um, applicable to what uh, a team desired. In a sense, you come to a team in a sports sense and you're equally um, good as a quarterback and a wide receiver, yet they want to cut you a check to play wide receiver. Uh, so it was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to play wide receiver. And I think that kind of like um, directed a lot of the image that I portrayed and the way I was perceived. However, like you were aware, I was consistently putting music out that yes, betrayed that image. Yeah. But I think it did get me pigeonholed or put into a box. Yeah. Now definitely. Let me, now let me ask you this because I know you you stepped into the world as being a CEO now. So shout out Blue Smurf. Yes, yes, yes. Shout Eminem out Smurf. coming soon. Two M's music and money. Now let me ask you if Spider Log now the CEO was to be the CEO of Young Spider Log. Back in 0506, how would you manage yourself? Or how would you put yourself out, marketing-wise? Hmm. Well, to act like I, I have a lot more knowledge of what I would do step-by-step step would be um, false. However, in my personal experience, I can tell you uh, what I didn't do that I would definitely do if we had like a rewind button. Early upon um, me receiving a deal and having a, a mainstream... Um, presence I was sought after by a certain individual who had a company named um, Sanctuary Management Mm -hmm. and when I went to meet with him his name was either Terry or Troy Carter or Tony it was T. Carter black man real fly ass situation when you go to his office anything the only thing I can compare it to would be a violator but it was West Coast uh, Beverly Hills based and uh, he appealed to me to join his roster. He sought after me, somebody that we both knew. Shout out Karan. Um, Say, hey, my boy, Terry or Tory, Tony Carter, he want to meet you, man. Woo-woo. Now, upon meeting this man, he was actively managing Eve, the artist. Mm-hmm. And upon our introduction, he told me, she was she had that TV show going on at the time. And he told me, as her manager on the TV show, he was making 30 bands a week. He was the person that, was distributing and managing that Boost Mobile campaign back in the day that we saw Ludacris. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, he also, though, here go the kicker, he was managing Fat Joe. Oh, here go me. The, 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 the naive, loyal to a fault, goofy, G Unit Crip, 50 don't like Fat Joe. His boo now, mind you. <laughs> so I just, you know, keeping it G like, I didn't turn the dude down, but I didn't jump on it. 
And then after, I also had the thought like, oh, it's the first people approach you. You don't jump on the first thing smoking. And um, I started noticing after a while that, that nothing that on that level was approaching me again. I tried to double back and he was offended because I wasn't his big, yeah. And then uh, he went on to not only be a co-founder of Uber, but he also found The Weeknd and Lady Gaga. Damn. Damn. So look, let me ask you this. Do you think sometimes, man, because... So I would definitely have taken that meeting more serious and like... And jumped on the yeah, opportunity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think our loyalty sometimes can be our demise? Definitely. Yeah. That's why I describe loyalty as a loyal to a fault. Mm-hmm. Definitely. If you have, no matter how um, passionate and rich your loyalty is, if it's misplaced, just, I mean, just think about it. Some people are loyal to drugs. Some people are loyal to gangs. Some people are loyal to a desire to do harm to others, which causes them to be incarcerated for the rest of their life. Yeah. So definitely, um, where you choose to misplace loyalty is a term I'm sure we've heard. Yes, sir. Definitely uh, can be misplaced. Man, all right. So look, man, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, after these messages, man, shout out to Legato Collection, man. That's who's sponsoring us. But we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be back on the politic, man, with Mo with OG Spider Low. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We back. We back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Still rocking here with my comrade, my Loke Spider Loke, man. So before we uh, answer the break, we was talking about uh, loyalty and being loyal to a fault, right? So... The fact, man, it, it took me back to just uh, using that word loyalty. Man, how you was loyal to the soil. So when I caught you, man, on the red carpet, you draped in blue. I, like, broke my neck. I, I actually got into it with my publicist <laughs> because they cussed me out. Like, man, what are you doing? What, what you doing over there? I'm like, hold up, man. Y'all know who this is? <laughs> and they everybody looking at you. I walk up to you. I hug you and embrace you. And I'm just staring at you, man. I know I was on some fan shit, so my fault. But no, I'm like, saw. Yeah, yeah. I humbly you know? appreciate that. And um, they was tripping. They like, man, you walk past... You walk past the the leader of the squad at the time, and I, I believe Banks and, and uh, Buckingham was there. I walked past all them. To who, get to your family. Man, to get to family. Yeah. I said, fuck them. I'm like, y'all know who that is? Now, who was that? Man, spider Look, He from he from my side of town. They like, where? I'm like, from the east side. They like, you pass up all them? I'm like, yep. Hell man, yeah, I did. That's crazy. Yeah, nah, nah. And it, and it actually made my day, man, because I, I did not want to be there. I wasn't fucking with BT. Or the Hollywood shit, you know how East Side is right. right. I that's already just, know. I that's already just know. not our get up. So I already know. To see you there, you draped in all blue. You was really banging and putting us on. Just you know. That's the, probably after that video shoot. It probably yeah. You was you <laughs> I'm draped up. Because other than that, like like niggas know me. Like I remember when Big Spider used to be in the halfway house. I used to come see him. He'd be like, man, I gotta give me some word up shit like you got on. <laughs> like cut like I don't. I, I was like ahead of the curve with the square look. Yeah. When I was my most active, it was hard to tell by the way I dressed. So yeah. that was definitely something I did to be in a space that I thought that was what was desired of me while I was at work, similar to a U- UPS uniform. Yeah. You know, you can't just, you know, you can decide in my case what you're going to wear. But like there was a moment in a time when that was made to be. And then, you know, even when that's not your daily attire, even even when I was dressing real preppy mm-hmm. on purpose, that still be a random day. That might be what you got. So it's no telling that particular day what motivated the being banged out. It might have been just because I had fell into that uh, energy or it may have been one of them random days, but it wasn't my just everyday lifestyle for years. Or yeah. it's not the way I initially approached artistry. 
independently of influence from, you know, the, the CEO of the label. I always figured that that was less marketable than more marketable from a mile. Nobody never had to teach me that. I would never have thought to put Loke on my name. <laughs> never, yeah. never, 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 never. But the blessing in that was you was authentically being yourself and you was doing the banging shit before it became a trend. And then you gotta <laughs> you gotta appreciate yourself, you know, for that. I, you know, you, you always look at things. I, I find no regret. Even the story I shared about what I would redo, I don't regret not doing it. Um, there are a number of things in my life I could look back and then, you know, fantasize about, ah, it could have went this way or that way. What I've learned to do is be grateful through it all. Yeah. And that's how I've learned to coin the phrase, Jita, gratitude is the attitude. So it's real. even in reflection, instead of uh, remorsing or regretting, I appreciate the experience and the lessons I can learn. And then I feel like I'm better prepared to uh, face a similar scenario if indeed it, it, it uh, presents itself again. Similar to the point when in 04, when I actually met uh, the dude from New York who gave me the deal. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I had the opportunity to enter into the lottery to uh, become a longshoreman. Uh, um, I, my mother was pressing me about putting the card in. She gave me a postcard, like, put it in, put it in, put it in. And she's worked in the industry for years mm -hmm. in the office for Pacific Maritime. It's not actually a longshoreman, but she facilitates a lot of what goes on on the um, corporate side from the office. So a lot of my family is familiar with the industry through her influence anyway. So she was pressed, pressing me, pressing me, pressing me about putting this card in. One of the easiest ways to be disqualified, um, for even if you get pulled in the lottery, mm -hmm. is if they just... Um, if they find out you put more, multiple cards, two wow. entries, even if you get pulled, go all the way through the process, it will eventually catch up and you out of there. So she gave me a postcard, kept pressing me about putting it in. She asked me that I put it in, which I never did, and I lied and said yes. Yeah. She's fully aware that two cards would disqualify you. She put a card in anyway. Like I lied. I said, Yeah, I did it, I did it, I promise. She I did had it. already she was already on top of she, it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's just what I'm trying to tell you. So <laughs> What happened subsequently, I got called to go test. I met this nigga. Now, the requirements to stay eligible to have this job is only reporting to work once every six months. That's your only requirement to be to keep you forever. But I, I'm telling you about naive, naive, naivety and, you know, being starry-eyed, uh, I lied to her. She put a card in anyway, and I got picked. Then I... Didn't ever go test. And you see how the overall journey of that actual venture went as far yeah. as what I turned my back on. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you this story to tell you this. In 2017, I was presented with the chance to go test again to enter the lottery. This time, I actually went through with, and now I am a longshoreman. But now, if you just want to be a mathematician about it, if you look over the years that I had turned my back on the scenario, if I do the math, it would have been a bigger bag than which I actually accumulated throughout the other journey. Yeah, got you. But this got time you. I had the opportunity to make a better decision. I was more prepared to deal with the scenario. I understood it, overstood it, understood it. And I could not be more pleased to be employed in that uh, capacity. It's like, I think the vest and the hard hats and the boots just 
made me totally uninterested. It just I had I had no concept of what was going on down there. Yeah. But, you know, the creator kept me around to be able to realize it once again. I feel definitely grateful for that and blessed. It's like it's provided me with a sense of stability that I don't trip on the anxiety of accomplishing things in the entertainment industry as yeah, I once did. Yeah. yeah. That became a trick. It was never really with my desire to be famous. Being blessed with the ability and the gift and the skill from such a young age, I just always wanted to be able to get that reciprocation from strangers that I knew I was better than. That's yeah. really all I ever asked the creator in the universe for. So all the things that came after that were like just part of that journey. I've been convinced that I wasn't looking at myself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, everybody said they dope. I just wanted to be convinced that I'm not just like him because I know he ain't dope. And I just wanted to know that without me having to force prove it. And yeah. that was my real core desire. And I've experienced that. I really not didn't have any idea what I wanted out of life. I acquired quite a few responsibilities by way of becoming a father multiple times. And life had got to a point where responsibilities were outweighing resources. And just when it was a time where it was at a borderline of crossing over to what a lot of people would consider a failure the opportunity to take that test came again yeah all praises cause you have no idea cause man I'm man <laughs> oh my, my, I'm listening I'm listening I'm blown away those that it. know know if you don't know man I am eternally grateful for that opportunity I am far from a, a laborer or a person that likes to work or go to jobs I hate them yeah I love every moment of my job it's like nothing to be nothing to complain about and then and, and just I mean just look at it man you still impacting lives while you doing that you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm telling you from experience like I appreciate are. that I appreciate that and that's my passion I also at one point in my life I told you I was raised in a very religious uh, environment even yeah. private school and based upon the fact that we all know I'm a natural orator and I've been blessed with a skill of communication and and public speaking, you can imagine that those that were raising me and involved in my rearing just naturally said preacher. Yeah, and real talk. <laughs> I attempted to fit into that um, actual box as well. So I've even actually, you know, being baby spider from the set, gone to prison, um, come home, got baptized and come to the hood in the suit and took the homies to invite them out and then went back to being baby spider and all that so like ain't no secret like I've actually spoken to like congregations for like um between 7th and 10th grade I attended a school in Torrance mm -hmm. it was a white school a private school very few black uh, students and the principal was a white woman who I developed a relationship that um, extended beyond my time at her school mm -hmm. And when I came home at that particular time and began to um, attempt to preach, she was arranging dates for me to preach in her constituency. Damn. So I would be like up in Rolling Hills <laughs> at one of them churches that blow your mind. There'd be no blacks in the church yeah. except my family. And I get up, deliver a message, and I swear to God, after the message, I've had Asian ladies come up afterward. Like, and I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just going to mimic the way it sounds to yeah. just give you an idea of how the conversation went. She's like, she's like, I, I, I would not come today. Not, I was going to come. No, no, not come today. I stay home, but something tell me come and I come because you, you, you. So the way her English wow. was so broken, I'm wondering, like, what was it that I said? 
that caused her to feel so connected to the message. Yeah. So for a long time, I've tried to like force myself into this traditional concept of God's spokesman. Yeah. And then when I turned my back on the actual traditional um, platform, I had a sense that I inherited that I turned my back on God, the concept ah. of God. And, you know, so it's been a journey. Um, and then, like you said, what you've experienced, the current impact, I've found the opportunity to be able to just be honest and speak to the public once again mm -hmm. about whatever the issue may be. And so I appreciate that. I believe all roads lead to Nineveh. And if anybody's familiar with the story of Jonah, mm -hmm. he kind of went zigzag and ended up at a certain point. So I believe that um, in the sense that Moses was raised amongst the Egyptians for the um, purpose to eventually come back and say, let my people go. Mm -hmm. I believe I was raised in that scenario in order to have an understanding, in order to lead people away from the change that organized religion yeah. has placed on yes. it. But I've been conflicted with that for a long time wondering like how how could it be that I'm turning my back on everything I was raised and believed in I didn't believe it yeah and you know throughout my experience of really trying to be honest and searching and not wanting to be finding an excuse for what people would call backsliding mm -hmm. I found the story of Noah I mean Moses and I saw I've been knowing the story but I, I saw that even Moses was raised in a religious sect exactly to be amongst a certain that's the way it was ordained. Exactly. So that not only did he was he raised that way, I believe. You see my story. My, my brother doing life, his son doing 20 years. My father's household, perhaps that's what would have provided for me. I think the same way Moses was put into the basket and was sent into Egypt to be raised among yes. the Egyptians. Yeah. I was put in the basket and sent into that environment to be raised amongst them, not to be ultimately established as one, but to be familiar enough with what they're going through enough to help free some of our loved ones. Man, that's that's deep. And I know I know just people because I, I checked out a lot of your your uh, podcast just on some on some fan and being inspired by you uh, shit. That's the first time I've heard this story. Right here. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Um, I want to just I want to appreciate the fact that people declare that I do have a podcast because um, I've never said that myself. I never like ventured out to um, desire to have a podcast. I realize what I have established and developed, you know, um, does is reminiscent of a podcast. Mm -hmm. But to be honest with you, all that shit happened. It started just for me. Like music was the the, um, the thing trying to like um, have been on a hiatus for about seven years. Mm -hmm. And just talking to some of my closest partners, like, you know, that knew about what's going on. They like, man, you got to go live, man. People just want to see your everyday life and whoop, whoop, whoop. At the time, I was heavily involved in coaching my young boy. So I was at the park and I used to use the opportunity to go live because I didn't really want the focus to be directly on me talking. So I yeah. would just be going live. It'd be the max 20 people, average between 7 to 13 people watching. And that would give you a candidness that you probably don't wouldn't have naturally. And, um, people would just because the few people on there know of my experiences they would ask me about other entertainers or people I went through went through things with and I'll yeah. be real candid with my answers yes you would yes, yeah, you are. I, and I know that it, I noticed the <laughs> trend that um, I would wake up the next day and I said this to 15 people but someone else would take it put it on their platform and they would have thousands of views mm -hmm. so um, I was like I was like I, I, that became interesting to me and then 
um, one person in particular. Shout out my boy Ryan from Hip Hop Classics Daily. He, he's not as active as he once was at this time, but he started getting my DM. And he was like, bro, he covered hip hop in general. He covered everything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm just noticing that when I put out content on you, it gets a good rhythm. Ooh, you might be on to something. You might need this. So I just started doing it on the regular, straight off my phone um, in my studio. I used to play my music live on the big speakers and just talk shit. And then it started kind of like catching on somewhat. And I just took like I hate this for a while. And I was like, damn, what could I do to make it really be something? And then I, um, I, um, for a whole totally another reason, I painted all my walls black. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the thoughts come, throw the lights up, and just call. I just started calling it the black box, but I still was just going live. I was just going live. And then it just started like being like what you would consider it to look like. I just made it look like something. And I just be going live, though. I don't got no podcast. Cause I want a podcast. <laughs> I'm crip. I want a podcast. But I just be going live, talking shit. I was used to be just answering questions. Then I found myself being slightly too careless. Just answering <laughs> questions out the chat room off the cuff. So I yeah. decided to start uh, appealing to the people that were on a regular basis instead of giving me your questions here, DM me the questions. Mm-hmm. So I would come prepared with questions to answer and that way I could be a little more tactful about the um, direction of the conversation versus allowing any weirdo just to catch me off guard and, and type in something. Yeah, and I just answer off the cuff and now I'm like, you know, so I was just trying to be a little more responsible with what I was expressing. And then, you know, it's just it's a real organic organic effort. I'm enjoying it. Um, mm-hmm. The Black Box, Spotted Oak Most Eastie is the name of the channel on YouTube. Wake and Bake. <laughs> the Wake and Bake Show is yes. the way I started doing it in the morning. And all that was like, as much as it seems as if it's something we established and branded, all that was just freestyle talking, being repetitive, just trying to make sure we knew what we're doing here. It wasn't like, we establish it the way how I see you guys put together mm-hmm. what you're doing independently. I could tell is you're following a very um, sophisticated business format. You guys not just out here bumpy head off the wall. No matter how long you've done that, you guys know what you're doing. Yeah, my shit cannot develop like that, bro. Nah, man. Yeah. I, I consider yours like the hood. I gotta That's disagree. What it is. The hood CNN, man, because you got. I take that. You got. You got the ticker. You got. Uh, you came up with the frame. I'm gonna say you came up with it. Keeping it. Keep it. Google. Keep it a Google. I came yeah. up with that. Oh yeah. my mama, mama. That's like Easty. I'm very familiar with like people keep it a hundred. They keep it a thousand. They keep mm-hmm. it a buck. They keep it a milli. That's just me trying to take it to a a level beyond all that. And I just happen to notice throughout living that. Um, the word Google was associated with a denomination of numbers that kind of exceeded all the others. So mm. Google was also such a popular word, it just like it made sense to fuck with it. So yeah, <laughs> we just keep it a Google. You dig it, as corny as it might sound the first time you hear it, you hear it enough and start sounding G. Even got a song, shout out Blue Smurf called yes, sir. It's the Google Gang Anthem. And, <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing about that song, that song is that as much as I probably felt like that was something that we needed, it just was too corny of a concept for me to ever attack. Yeah. But shout out to Trey Legend. Watch up to my nigga. And then that's... Um, nah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I sent the beat to Trey Legend just telling him I need a hook, which mm-hmm. I do often. He sent that hook back. Without, I had no idea for this to be singing about Google Gang. That shit sounded hard. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Nah, so he okay. made it feasible. You know, I would have never known how to be creatively rapping about the Google Gang. Yeah. It was just... My song would have been way more light hearted if I would have even attempted it but he put the hook there and he made it sound 
we could go ahead and rep this now. Yeah. yeah. Now nah, that shit sound dope. Good looking, Jay. And, and the thing too, man, uh, um, just watching the show, you always have a word of the day. So, so not only is it about just the topics you talk about, but you're enlightening people, you're educating people. How did you c come up with that? Good question, because uh, once again, you're going to tear down all my secrets. I, <laughs> I know that's one of the things that separate me and seems yes, like I'm yes, being more do. insightful, but to be honest <laughs> with you, um, one of my things when I first started was I was going to, I was, I used to pride myself and be able to, being able to go alive, go live for an hour without mentioning current topics or any celebrities. Mm -hmm. I was trying definitely to steer away from that. And then it got to a point where, so at that time, I was trying to find a way to, uh, I got, I didn't, I had lost count, I didn't want to be like Wake and Bake 1, Wake and Bake 2, Wake and Bake 3. I was trying to think of a way to title each one without having a strenuous process of keeping up with the titles and all that. Yeah. And subsequently, I don't know what came first, chicken or the egg, but I was subscribed to a word of the day through Webster. Mm -hmm. And I just got the idea of like, okay, bam, we just used the word of the day to name the, the episodes. Mm -hmm. However, I realized um, those titles wasn't getting as much traction. Yeah. People don't just click on that. So I didn't. I never got away from doing the word of the day, but I just don't title it the word of the day anymore. I exactly. use a different title, but I still kept up with the practice of the word of the day because definitely I know from the environment that we come from because of my mother's interest, in what in my education that I was um, pretty much exposed to a vocabulary that my average peer wasn't exposed to. Exactly, yeah, real and, shit. <laughs> yeah, so um, and a lot of times, just in casual conversation, you say things that might um, tend to go over people's head, and that's never your intention. So I just feel like you know when we on here in front of our people daily, we bullshit a lot. But in the process of bushing a lot, we want to be edifying in some sense. Real spell. And um, word of the day is a very simple way not to be doing too much, putting no extras on nothing. And I, even myself, my vocabulary has grown just from the word of the day. Like, yeah. simple word like factoid. Yeah. Um, facts over feeling is one of our slogans. But factoid happened to be a word of the day. And then I'm like, damn, that's what I'm definitely going to remember. It blows my mind. I listen to uh, talk radio a lot. And it's all white older men on there that have spoke our personalities. I've heard the word factoid so many times since it was my word of the day, which lets me know I've had to have heard it before. Yeah, real talk. But it didn't register. I think if I would have heard the word factoid before I saw this word of the day, I would have thought it was slang, a twist put on the word fact. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But factoid is an actual word. If you would have heard me come in here and say how people say facts, if I would have been like factoid, you would have swore I flipped that and yeah, made it up. But exactly. that's, that's an actual word, a factoid, and it has the same definition. It's a small piece of information that is definitely a fact. Damn. Yeah, but yeah, the word of the day is something. That's how it actually developed. But um, I appreciate it beyond the intention of developing it to mark the uh, the titles. I see it's something that uh, others appreciate. Yeah, and we ain't even going to get into the secret of the titles because I see it. But, man, we're going to take a quick break, man. Easily Enlightened. Spider Low, J Fifth, man. We'll be back after these messages, man. Uh-huh.
Yes, yes, yes. We back, we back. The patio, man. The politic, one third of it, man. Shout out to LP, DJ and J, who can't be here, man. But I got my dope guest. He's still here with me. Spider Loke, what up? You good, man? Oh, same old goodness. Yes, sir. Man, you, need, you, you need a refill? You cool? No, I'm Gucci for the moment. Like, oh, all right, for sure. Well, how you uh, fucked up here, man? We don't want to do that. No, nah, I'm going to let you get me fucked up, <laughs> and I'm the only one drinking. Y'all got me fucked up See, man, can already. I, can, can, I get, can I get a cup? See, I ain't even ate. That's I, what I'm saying, yeah, man. What get I a look cup like, of man. Give me some bread too, something this month. Look, man. Don't let me get you fucked up. <laughs> you drinking with me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I ain't even gonna do you like that. No, I'm saying I, you drinking out of my bottle. Oh no, no, I don't oh, drink dark. Oh, okay. I don't drink dark. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh seven. Just that man right there. Oh seven. JT. Just to fuck with Spider Loke, I would have been like, hell yeah, I'm drinking dark. That's Let's crazy because I had to go back to dark <laughs> to get to my smooth side. Ah yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, man. Um, we talking, we talking about the black box, man, which is a phenomenal dope. Like I said, it's like the hood CNN to me. Um, how do you, like, you know how, how to articulate a kill-off with, with the trolls and, and niggas that just be attempting to take jabs at you? We ain't even going to speak on them clowns, but how do you do that in the way you do? And it's like calm, cool, prestigious, and intellectual. <laughs> well, typically where I, I approach a troll, like, I know from long ago, once you step up in front of the public and say, I'm such and such, I'm such and such, I'm that. Mm -hmm. Either you are what you say you are or you aren't. Yeah. And from long back, I've only been comfortable expressing myself to be that which I actually am. Yeah. And just so happened in a culture that was celebrating fuck-ups, I happen to be a fuck-up in my personal life to a point where when I came from the public and say, hey, this the shit y'all admiring, this the shit that y'all aspiring to be, mm -hmm. regardless if it's good or not, guess what, I did that, I got all A pluses, I did that, that was true. So now, typically when you have these public conversations with other people about issues or personality or characters, usually based on how much you add up to that criteria. Yeah, yeah. I am extremely confident in that which I am, have done, experienced. Anyone that actually is familiar with me as a person knows none of the things that I would be ashamed of violating, I have, I've never violated. So therefore, anytime someone speaks about me derogatory in public, if you're saying something derogatory about me, you have to be lying. <laughs> so I concern myself none with lies. So when I hear whatever you might be saying, if I'm actually coming across it, it's easy to deflect or to denounce it because there's nothing about me that is true that I am ashamed of. Yeah. So if we talking about true things, we can discuss it all. Let's go. Whatever. There's nothing. There's nothing I'm actually guilty of or actually honestly connected with that I have a problem with admitting. So anytime you try to point fingers at me about anything I've experienced. I can only laugh with you even if it's funny because other than that, I don't give a fuck what you're talking about. And that's the problem a lot of time I learned that when I get engaged with dealing with these type of things with other people, even when I attempt to put them in a bad light, I only utilize facts about individuals. Yeah. And I think it makes it hard for a lot of people to mend certain. I see people squash all type of shit, but when people get upset with each other, they say anything about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes to me, even when I have a problem with you, I'm not gonna lie on you. Yeah. Even if I had to like have a public interaction to where we're speaking about each other illy, I still only rely on facts. Yeah. And then when you can be very disrespectful and derogatory with facts, 
it's like where you go with that after it's over you're not mad no more nobody's upset but mm -hmm. now you didn't spoke all these facts about what i actually am how <laughs> it's kind of harder for people to like step back over that line versus when they were just saying anything out of rage and anger and wasn't true because mm -hmm. usually when people in these public platforms that just happen to come from the genre or the culture that they call gangster rap. So basically what you're defending typically publicly is your gangsterism, what they call it. It's not a word I use, yeah. but just to, so we be on the same track. And when it comes to that subject, although I am retired from even actively involving myself in said activity, there's nothing that I am ashamed of. I couldn't imagine Deion Sanders being ashamed about anything he has to report about his career in baseball or football like I have nothing to prove so say what you may and you ain't never had like you ain't never been one to have smut on your name like I said cause you I, took the words I would just <laughs> say no smut I'm yeah, smutless like okay. and that's the only thing that I would have to like defend my character against is any type of smut shout out to all my loved ones but if you really pay attention cause when it gets um, going with me and other individuals and character attacks the worst thing people keep accusing me of is that someone I'm related to is a snitch yeah and see that's I, I can't imagine nothing you can't when you hear that that which has been said about me multiple times say one thing that's been said about me equal to that about exactly. me exactly exactly like what it's nothing to say and see when I when you was when you was actively on that shit <laughs> You was you was uh you coined the phrase bitch boy. I remember I used to call Thank a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of people. I coined like, this far as hip hop. It was an East Side word in the set and up yeah. and down. But yeah, I took that to the <laughs> to the peoples. Yeah, on my mama, mama. Yeah, now that now, was Doja though. Now was you was it was it hard to separate how you was act? Have you always been this calm or was it like I know you used to be pulling up on niggas too, man? <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I haven't always been this non confrontational. I mean, you know, no extras on nothing. I've come from a, um, a background of being quite aggressive. Uh, however, I've been a lot more political than people may have thought. It's like It seemed like, as far as in the hip-hop industry, it was a little easier to do too much than I realized. Yeah. When you come from an a era where everybody wearing chucks, T-shirts, braids, khakis, talking shit, and you coming from the outside in, you kind of thinking like this is what's really happening. So when you apply yourself to the environment, like this is what niggas is really on, and they really want to be wearing what they wearing now and carrying themselves out niggas now, you can't irritate some shit that you never realized. Yeah, real talk. You know what I'm saying? Niggas, everybody from somewhere, everybody, you know, carrying themselves a certain way, I know how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. I, that's what, it, I know how to deal with that. And then you can do whatever and still be on top of that and be politicking with everybody. That's what it takes to be on top of that. Matter of fact, you got to be with the shits. Yeah. Really However, so. when you got into the industry, everybody was talking, acting like that. <laughs> but, they, but you don't submit <laughs> yourself in that circle the same way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you fuck it up when you when you when you when you when you just be a loke in that circle. They running. I've often <laughs> uh, made the analogy of it's like showing up to a shootout where they had paint guns and you got a real burner. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I seen everybody busting. I thought it was time to get. The, they see you really shooting. They ran off. And you and you had Gene the Crips. So a lot of like you had the whole East niggas from the West too. Ready Compton to, everywhere. 
ready to smash. You one of the only ones I know too, man. Every time like watching Black Box, you know somebody from every hood. So even when niggas attempt to say whatever allegations or, or, or falsely hood you, you always know niggas in they hood more I, than they know. Them. I've been fortunate to be around. <laughs> yeah, I got some. I got some real partners, and especially it's generational because yeah. the new generation, it's, they have no problem. But you'll find people. Uh, and, you know, to be honest with you, I find it real ironic. My my name has never been even brought up for question in that sense to just recent years. And it was a very Luciferian judicial, judicial, and I'm trying to refer to Judas. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that word is correct, but the experience was quite weird. Like, if you really, you know, you familiar with my experience and my existence out here, you see the attempt to even attach some smut to me come from <laughs> an inside individual who cause mm-hmm. couldn't hold my on crib. It's a nigga who I didn't save from like. All type of cripping politics. Nigga, I didn't watch get Randolph. A nigga who I didn't share my shine with, my exposure, and then, in very much in the spirit of Lucifer Judas. To be honest with you, I remember being in the same room with him one time. Post all our our interactions and negativities, and you know, still just cause we homies, we end up in the hood together, so mm-hmm. we end up still getting over it and still talking. But there was always a line of irritation that developed because we would get kicking it and get to loaded, and Cuz always say like, "Cuz, you know, I love you, Cuz." Every time you say that, I'll be like, come on, come on, stand, cuz, you love me, cuz. How we ever get off track, cuz? Because I ain't never did nothing but help you, cuz. Mm-hmm. And then, like, throughout the process, one time, we going, 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 going. I'm like, cut at me, like, cuz, cuz. That shit make me feel like, cuz. I cut you like Lucifer. I did, like, I did Jesus. That nigga's like, nah, I ain't, I ain't Lucifer. I'm more like Judas. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's what, yeah. <laughs> Now he, now he said that to you? He heard me. That's why I took the time to develop it. That was his response. And as bad as Lucifer sound to him, he was trying to be honest and trying to make it sound better and mitigate. And then he said, no, I'm more like Judas. Yeah, and that's worse. <laughs> Shit went ice cold. Like, he ended up crying after that and, like, kind of left. That was, like, the end of it. But it was, like, that's what I went through as far as... Just think about it. And I, I hate to keep sounding biblical. Yeah, yeah. Nah, but nah, in the nah. sense of the story that it was taught to us and told to us, whether it's true, we believe it, or just think about it. They say Cuz came to die for them. Mm-hmm. And then this the one nigga, like Cuz was a buster, a mark from the set. Everybody know it. Cuz got ranked off in like 94, turned tagger. And then like, he come back and though like, I don't have an interest in what's going on enough to try to run him off. But I'm seeing that the niggas that is got that interest, they accepting him. I'm around enough to see it, but it's none of my business. Mm-hmm. Crip gang, I'm set. Cause the only reason I ever start working with Cuz, cause I was on the block one day. Cause way back, Cuz was putting out music under a whole nother name. Mm-hmm. I never collab with him. I was on the block one day. One of the homies, remember we had the next telephone where you could like yeah, push your volume church. up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. your ringtone could play. And the homie was playing a song, and it was somebody rapping. And he was doing a roll call. And all I know, he was naming all the homies. And when he got to my name, it sounded bigger than every other name. They was like, Baby Spider. I'm like, well, who is that, cuz? Yeah. And he like, cuz, that's the homie. Woo, woo. I'm like, cuz, tell cuz to come to the studio. So I just wanted cuz to, like, do that verse and get cuz an opportunity to uh, rap. Yeah. And that was the only reason I ever rapped with cuz. It had nothing to do with it. But guess what? Guess what you do? As a rapper from the streets, from the set. Now you know, busters make the hood go around just like the riders. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's everything in between in the set. So it's not like I don't go my whole life with comrades and partners that I know is Mark's busters. That's part of the game. So when we got to this shit, and Cuz was a rapper, 
Me, chess playing, thinking, just think about bringing energy around and getting this shit cracking. Mm-hmm. It's going to be some homies with some interest to be wanting to have a part of something. I also was thinking about having something that they could attack. Mm-hmm. You dig a lot. Like, it's never going to be that coming this way, but, you know, I'm developing this and this is here. I know where they're going to get it from. But that was another one of my interests. But cuz term, I never did nothing negative toward him. Did nothing but support. But I got a knife in the back though. Like, you feel me? It's never come from an enemy. Like yeah, all shame. my enemies, my nigga, realize it's nothing you can say. If you're gonna attack me, my actual reputation in our environment is beyond reproach. You gotta start somewhere else. You even see I went so hard on holding on hundred. All he wants says you broke. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You're not, you're not gonna start to try to tear down my Established character out here in my native land. That's not even that shows the ignorance of your opponent when they start there. When it comes to me, yeah, really. it's not something I try to boast or brag about. It's really a, a, a underachievement. Yeah, because I was blessed with the potential to accomplish so much more. Yet I settled for putting all my energy into such a small accomplishment. But I'm at least not going to allow anyone else to take that from me because I know what I settled for. Very short of what I could have potentially accomplished, but I know how I sold that little part of my life up. My constituents, my peers, my enemies, everybody know. And that's the thing too. I look at like like you like you said the the, the troll niggas who it, it's often I heard this um, watching a Kanye documentary. A giant sees nothing in the mirror. Mm. And that's what I consider you. I consider myself that. And a you lot gotta of break that down for me. You said that too quick. I thought it was gonna hit me. Oh, it didn't hit me. It gi- sounds slick. A giant sees nothing in the mirror. So you too big to even see your reflection. Oh, because why the mirror down here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So if you too big to even see your reflection, how are you going to see the peasants beneath you or around you? You can't even see the reflection of them or them behind you, in front of you, none of that. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the clowns, I'm like, okay, the reason we ain't giving, or I ain't even going to say we, the reason these niggas can't give you their flowers now because they waiting for something to happen to you, like, mm. uh, like it did Nipsey or whatever, just mm. to do that. We giving you your motherfucking flowers now, especially me. I'm right? take them too. Not I'm, real talk, no real talk. I appreciate it because it's like the trolls that's doing what they doing. If you take away all this internet shit, all this phone shit, all this bagging on people and doing that, you take away that. Sell soldiers. Yeah. That's what they is. That's why I don't let it. <laughs> I don't let it affect me. Like I be having. I got my shout out, my homie, little black cub. But down twenty years, he do it like. He open. He come on song because I called me like. Hey, it's so crazy because now. The way they done scrambled the shit where he at, he can't call on his regular phone, so he gotta like he had me. I gotta download Duo. Yeah. So I gotta. I'm looking at his face, cause like, cause who's this nigga? Cause saying wooty 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 wooty. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm trying to get him to understand why I don't give a fuck. He like, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Niggas will say anything over that internet, man. You know. Yeah. You know. So I've I've adjusted my acceptance to that because I remember before the internet days, you know what it is. And, you know, I, I just want to appeal to all those that are concerned about me personally, man. Don't let that internet talk get you fucked up. Man. Nah, real talk. Niggas say anything. I ain't got no smut. I'm glad you fr- um, <laughs> phrased it as such because I ain't got no smut. And that's the only thing I would even be concerned with defending myself against is any type of smut. And the only smut they try to throw my way, they be trying to attach it to my brother. And they can't even really confirm that. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. And then you look at just everything you, you've encountered, man, through your life, your your testimony. This is shit. Nigg- niggas wouldn't even fandom on their best day. Like, they couldn't get through it. Bro, you know what I'm saying? Bro, I appreciate the whole journey. Um, 
you know, I, 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 I view myself as living on borrowed time for quite some time. Since a teenager, actually, uh, I was faced with life in prison in Huntsville, Alabama mm-hmm. at the age of 17, where I had three or four of my crimes turned state evidence on me, um, two pistols involved and throughout the proceeding where uh, all my crimes was like, we were in a melting pot in a college town. So everybody was from other places, Washington, D.C., Ohio. I was from California, the only person involved from California. Both guns that they seized were registered, stolen from California. Um, They were offering me 18 years with 80% of 17. They're like, if you fight it and lose, you get life. Damn. And I was guilty, my nigga. Niggas was telling on me and all that. And... I, I look at that as uh, every time, everything I've experienced since then is like borrowed time. It's extras. It's like a lot of time I get caught up in the struggle and you get depressed or stressed about what you are doing, aren't doing, what you would like mm-hmm. to be doing. And often the creator will bring me back to that moment to where you threw your life away a long time ago, nigga. You've been through this shit away. So, like, it, it causes me to appreciate things from a whole nother perspective. Yeah, damn. Yeah. It's real. And do you ever sit back, man, and just really like count your blessings? Jeter. <laughs> Gratitude is the attitude. We try to make it a daily uh process. Like I was just talking to my my, my brother, shout out Issa I heard um, prior to coming up here. And um, throughout the conversation, whatever it was, it led me to just reflect on the fact and share the fact with him that is all we actually have is each moment that we are dwelling within. Yeah. And to postpone happiness beyond each moment is to really gamble with your happiness at each um, step of life. Yeah. I think our main challenge as humans is to, like, regardless of our desires, aspirations, is to try to possess as much happiness as possible throughout each immediate moment. Yes, sir. And when you start thinking and walking in that mind frame, Priorities start to take on a different shape And You stop It's a natural process It's not like something you I want to get here mentally And I'm going to do this to get here When you start doing these certain things You eventually reach to another position mentally Where certain things just don't matter Death is becoming such a common notice in my life That Yeah priorities They really are um, taking on a whole other focus Not only am I a father I'm a grandfather yeah. So then I have to expand my whole understanding as what I'm supposed to be out here doing. It's, that's a whole nother generation of, <laughs> yeah. of my loins <laughs> being realized. And just imagine when I was going through that Alabama um, situation, there was a young female that I was courting, dating. And when I got caught up, I had her on the stand out there lying for me. Wow. They even crossed her up on the stand, right? But just think about. Um, her parents lived in Windsor Hills on the west side mm-hmm. over here six over she went to Westchester but black family invested send your daughter to college woo 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 now she's out here on the stand lying for this nigga who think he a thug and all that for this east side nigga for this east side <laughs> nigga and now I have a 22 year old daughter 2 year old granddaughter Man. Um, the father of the baby been in jail for quite some time mm. I'll be having to watch my daughter run back and forth the wayside 
putting money on books. Yeah. Talking to this. Uh, shout out to my son-in-law. I love you, boy. But uh, it's just life is a cold. That mirror you talking about? Shit. Full circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've learned. That's another thing that's been a quite maturing experience for me because I'm riding with son-in-law in a way I thought I never would be able to. Like, Yeah. So even through the bullshit, I appreciate the process because I've been able to experience growth. Man, see, yeah. Uh, when we come back, man, we're gonna talk more about fatherhood. Get back to the music, yes, sir. Man, we here patio politics. Let's get at it. all costs. We back, man. <laughs> Rich Rolling and moving, <laughs> and all that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, back with Spider. Man, we we chilling. We vibing, y'all. We vibing, man. Your cup good, Spider. I'm good. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We just got to make sure we stay on jazz ass. Make sure she on her jo, man. She ain't from the east side. She went to Washington. She don't yeah, know this sounds yeah, general. She, huh? Yeah, yeah. She don't know about that Easty living, man. Right. It's a gang of homies went to Washington though too, though. Like for some reason, it's a gang of homies that went to Washington. Yeah. She knew how the homies to come tear that mouth. <laughs> see, see. Oh God, man. So we, man, we was, uh, we was closing out with fatherhood. But before I get into that, because that's a real, real deep, um. Real deep topic I want to uh, touch on You know what I'm saying Especially with Like you said You becoming a grandfather And all that Now Which Which spider Was most Was most active Cause You do the R. Kelly thing Man One minute you bald One minute you got your hair All that So Which, which spider Was most the, the activist I think the ball With me personally That's the one Yeah <laughs> Definitely the ball Spider was more active No yeah. question I've never like uh, Maintained the journey Of hair growth Long enough To even mark <laughs> Any time of my life Yeah Of being a, Not the ball dude The ball dude Was who I was For the majority of the time And Oh yeah When I was getting Cracking 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 I was the ball dude <laughs> Yeah Yeah for sure For sure man Now how did that Whole experience I know you um, Met the CEO to, to the organization You was once affiliated with When you went to New York How did that whole thing Come about And just getting signed And what was that shit Like for you I actually met him In LA But um, through the process of meeting uh, Buck Jenner in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. was in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, doing my thing. I think they have termed the phrase uh, trapping mm-hmm. now, but you know, so it wasn't on no music shit. Then. Not at all. Well, semi because the cat I was messing with, we was talking about doing our independent thing. It was Yolo Records, to be honest with you, way before Drake popularized that phrase. That was the name of our movement, Yolo Records. Me, and my nigga Piper from Grape. And, uh, shout out to Piper Shout out to Piper Snipe <laughs> And there was another cat And uh, Pipe wasn't really involved In what me and the other cat was doing As far as getting the money But uh, Pipe was an artist in the situation So the other nigga was really the boss of it all And he, you know But I ended up in Atlanta, Georgia alone mm-hmm. uh, Doing my thing And our whole thing was Getting the money together So we could make our little independent level label go Higher it was finna go Get it together So that's what we was on So at that time I was in Atlanta, Georgia My brother was in Nashville, Tennessee Big Spider And we was in a sense of a spirit Of a sibling rivalry at the time Not seeing eye to eye mm-hmm. Partial spirit of mine being in Atlanta Was like I'm gonna get a cracking show Cause I don't need him And he was in Nashville Doing some shit Like trying to show Like he got it cracking too So it happened to just Ironically come to a point Where he used to Call me on the phone And be like Man this nigga Young Buck Be like Buck Jenner Be like uh, I'll be Nigga we be at the projects Nigga it be a gang of niggas Cub pull up 
in the Love Rider Club. Get me, just be me and him. We roll out. Woo, woo. Now, Flash, you know, rap aspirations or who I am as far as rapping. It got to a point where my brother, I'm like, cuz, just like that, cuz. That cuz hit my phone. So he took he took upon the challenge, like, matter of fact, I'm gonna call you right back. And they said, no, Buck was calling my phone. Yeah. That little interaction led to, like, Buck was on tour for the, um, about to release straight out of Casual. And, um, like I said, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia was on his stop, one of the stops that was coming up on his tour. Mm-hmm. Some of the people, whoever it was that made it possible for my brother to know Buck that was in Nashville, made took it upon themselves to leave Nashville and come to Atlanta and await Buck's arrival in Atlanta on that tour. And that caused us to be thugging and hanging out for like a week until Buck came. Yeah. And the nigga name was Sebo, actually, that... Uh, was the main nigga that um, put us down with the, that's why we knew the Nashville niggas. I remember we left the club one night, we was in the Waffle House, sun was coming up, and I got to rapping out loud, just off the top of my head, just rapping acapella in the Waffle House real loud, and you know how it carry an echo. The nigga Sebo, who was totally, absolutely uninterested in rap whatsoever, he like looked over, he was like, oh man, I ain't know you had it like that, man. <laughs> he was like, yeah, man, when little buddy get here, man, I'm going to put him in your lap, man. He kept slapping his lap. I'm going to put him in your lap, man. Watch what I tell you, man. You hard, man. So I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever. So for the next few days before Buck actually got to town, I remember throughout the day, anytime me and Seaboy catch eyes from across the room or something, he used to just slap his lap like, watch what I tell you. Well, mm-hmm. Trying to prove to me how much influence he actually had over Buck Jenner. So it got to a point where... Um, like the day before he was scheduled to be in Atlanta or two days before the chain got stolen in Chicago. So instead of going to Milwaukee next, he went straight to Atlanta. But based upon his relationship with Sebo, for some reason, when Buck got to Atlanta, he went to do radio. Mm-hmm. Because of that, the other niggas in the camp, whatever, Sebo, we, we was in Buck hotel room before he got by the time he got back from radio we was I was in a group of niggas that was in his room he was waiting with, so whoop. when he came in the room the chain had got taken like a day day and a half ago in Chicago this is the first time he'd been around niggas other than the niggas that was with him when it got taken and now he finally gets 50 ain't taking his phone calls he want to get it off his chest what happened so I'm just being in a room full of niggas I'm just in the corner on the floor and he's telling this big ass story about from the moment D-Tay came and asked him to wear the chain to the club, to what happened, to him going meeting up with the Godfather nigga from Chicago, trying to get the chain back. Long, 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 long story. Swear to God on my mama, mama, cuz out of nowhere, I just start rapping, drowning him, just drowning him out. <laughs> and I knew, I could tell as I, while I'm rapping, that I got him, so I'm putting, I'm going hard, I'm putting X's on it, and I wouldn't stop, and he eventually was like, dog, dog, them is just words. How you move a nigga like that with just words? Like, we all know the same words. He said, man, niggas be on me with that pox shit, man. Fuck that, man. You got it, man. He like, man, you ain't got no situation, man. He like, oh, yeah, my man. You gonna have a situation, man. He was like, man, if my people can't make it crack, I know some more people. So that transpired. And long story short, he was scheduled to go to L.A. shortly thereafter and shoot the Shorty Wanna Ride video. He tried to make me leave with him there and go to his next stop on his tour. But like I told you, I was caught up in some shit, so I needed to take some time to prepare to, like, make myself available at a later date. The Shorty Wanna Ride video was in a couple weeks, so I planned to meet him at that video shoot 
in the future. So made it back to L.A. for the time of the video shoot. I had been in the trailer all day with a bunch of New York niggas, a bunch of casual niggas, just kicking it. I took Piper to the video shoot with me. Shout out Piper tonight. <laughs> anyway, uh, we in the trailer just fly on the wall once again, kicking it, kicking it. Hours, hours, regular dry day. Knowing 50 is supposed to be here at some point or another, but he has yet to be there. And then um, I remember we left the trailer for a while to go get something to eat, came back, and the security tried to stop me from entering the trailer. I had just exited. And then um, he like, oh, you can't go in there. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, why? He like, 50 in there. I'm like, oh, all right. So then it was another security guard, shout out Big Dame, who had been familiar with me through the whole time we've been around. Mm-hmm. He like, oh, no, I look straight. That was hard, cuz. I, <laughs> I like to go. I had. I got to go up in there, me and Piper. But when I get in there, the trailer's so packed, it's nowhere to sit, but like directly in front of cuz, like this, like. Yeah. So I like, so bam. But he the one doing all the talking. He getting at these niggas about this chain that just got took, explaining that Buckeye Detail can't be seen with him no more. His situation over, whoop, wop. He talking a whole bunch of gangster shit with a hundred thousand do and da 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 see because he had refused to get on the phone with Buck. So Buck had been nervous to wonder what he was gonna say. So now fifty, this is the conversation he on my nigga. I haven't been introduced to him or nothing and he doing all this talking. I just start rapping again. In some very close quarters, my nigga like. So and I'm this close to cuz and I'm doing my thing. And I mind you, when I did Buck like this, I could tell I had him the whole time. Yeah. This nigga looking at me like a statue. To the point where I'm thinking like, oh, you done fucked up, nigga. What you doing this shit for? <laughs> I couldn't even get my confidence up to really kill it because he wasn't giving me no fucking feedback. So I didn't go forever like I did with Buck. I didn't wait till he stopped me. I eventually was like, I could go on, but and then he was like, for what? And then he started telling people around, like, man, get his number. We're going to do this, do that, do that, do that. And that's how that shit transpired. Damn. Now, after, like, the whole little interaction with that, was it something you was anticipating, or was it just like, man? Hell yeah. That nigga told me he was going to go overseas for 30 days. When he come back, he going to make it right. Throughout the 30 days he's overseas, he was proactive and, like, reaching out to me, communicating. Mm-hmm. At one point, I had a voicemail with my message. I ain't going to lie, because I had a voicemail. That nigga was like, hey, Lo, call me back. It's the kid, 50. Love you, nigga. I used to play that for everybody. I'm like, nigga, listen to this shit, nigga. Because <laughs> it was the it was the end part. I love you, nigga. Like, I bet, nigga, you see this shit. Yeah. I used to sit on the phone, talk to my mama, my daddy, all that shit. Yeah. You know, it was way. He talking. Can you can you misappropriate loyalty? Of course you can. Nah, real shit. Yes. Real shit. Like I said, you was pulling up on niggas. Like, what? Niggas, yeah. Niggas <laughs> have no idea. I cannot even express the extent to how out of hand it had got. As far as being down with cuz and this apparent issues we had with certain individuals, yeah, Snow way to even try to like, and like, and like you say, man, that 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 east side loyalty, man, or loyalty in general is just it, it, it hit different because you might not have beef with a certain specific individual that you got love for or love, but if they beefing, it's like now that's our beef. But niggas don't carry it like that. They no, don't, even, nah. even on that, I'm glad you like expanded it because it's not even east side like. Even on the east side, nigga, that love, that shit weird around here, my nigga. Yeah, real talk. They got to really figure out what he out here about. Now, do you think that plays a part with us having a better uh, discernment than anything? It, it should. Not all. Some some see it and still cause and still deal with the environment from the same um, interest. Uh, myself, and I think yourself, and of course, others. Hell yeah. yeah. Better discernment. Because some things is like that we used to have to like... Some things you can just see off top. 
I ain't what it about But we used to give Certain people Certain situations Benefit of the doubt And investigate further And then try to differentiate And within these type Of certain scenarios You just avoid All the way totally together Yeah And that's better discernment Just in, in it within itself Now let me ask you With the music shit Did your um, Did your gang affiliation And gang ties Play a part with Why Why uh, Some Individuals or producers may not have wanted to co- collaborate with you, or or even artists. Man, who knows? I you know uh, from a lot of a lot of what like what you're asking me. A lot of the reasons why and all that. All I have left to do is speculate. Yeah. And of course, those are things that come up when I try to like figure out. Maybe when I do think about it, I don't have any direct evidence of a hey, yeah you from here and that's why this didn't do that and that. I can't say, but perhaps so. Never know. Okay. I know the overall um, involvement with certain elements of the streets and the set and all that did adversely affect the overall progress of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, to pinpoint exactly which incident or item, um, I cannot say for certain. However, like I say, um, my brother, Big SPI, has been incarcerated since 05. Um, so, you, so big bro went in right before shit started Bro if you, yeah. if you That's what I'm trying to tell you If you could uh, Visualize the correlation Between him his time going to jail And Realizing that He went to jail for something that was Totally personal to him and what he was on As far as being in the streets right Yeah. However when he actually Ended up in prison in order to try to have a statement to make to take away guilt or suspicion from himself, his whole conversation was, what I look like robbing somebody when 50 Cent just gave my brother $2 million, which was not true. Um, such and such, such and such. Uh, you can go look at my website, spiderloke.com, which had pictures that not only affiliated him and myself with 50 Cent, mm-hmm. but it also had pictures that showed what our origin was as well. Yeah, exactly. And um, subsequently, him going to jail with two individuals and them all having $100,000 bails. After him making that declaration and the people researching and confirming it, his bail went up to $10.5 million. Um, it was a case where um, certain individuals took the stand, and I've seen portions of the transcripts where this was the line of questioning. Individual on the stand, like um, a picture being shown, they've been asked, like, can you tell me who's on this picture? He's like, yes, yeah, Lloyd Banks, uh, oh. Spider, and 50 Cent. Like, when you say Spider, you're not speaking about the defendant, are you? No. Who are you referring to? His brother? Okay, his brother's a recording artist, correct? Yes. He's also a member of the East Coast Crips, correct? Yes. There are also a lot of members of the East Coast Crips that are members of the G Unit Crips, correct? Yes. Like, this is a line of questioning that went wow. on and all that about a case I had absolutely nothing to do with, which causes me to be quite convinced that throughout the process of $10.5 million bail, G Unit, 50 Cent, that being mentioned as many times as they were mentioned I cannot imagine him not being approached about the overall situation which I can imagine would be a deterrent mm-hmm. uh, especially under Chris Light's influence when they hadn't even done the, the, uh, the vitamin water deal so uh, I really not really not sure how far back the ship was actually sunk before it was announced it was never announced that's the cowardly portion of it i could accept anything that came my way based upon the decisions i've made mm-hmm. and the way i presented myself what i can't respect is the fact that we actually initiated a relationship that has never had an ending that i can actually note in order to be able to maneuver from that point on it was such as like a 
dangle along, dangle along, wait, figure it out to how much, how long are you gonna wait before you be stupid enough to night knowledge is over? Yeah. It was never no respectful communication of deuces, which would have been simple, easy. Yeah. You know, but it never has happened to this day. Now, now, uh, by this time before uh, Big Bro had, you know, uh, started seeing trials and things of that nature, y'all had made men's already too, yeah, we, right? We, we made men's like, he did some time, like, um, he went in 05 We probably got the Holland back um, Shit around what 15, 14 Damn Yeah Damn Yeah It was like Cause like That was just one portion of What we were going through mm-hmm. And you know It just That's just how How deep it had gotten To gotcha. be honest with you Well shit I'm glad y'all back on great terms Yeah great. we on great terms Free SPR He on his SPR, way on man, Real talk Real talk. So, man, before we get into beautiful, hood classic, international classic, classic all over the world in California, man. That was, come on, man. That was one of the hardest songs. And not put, not because that individual was on the hook. I just, I fuck with the beat. And you already know how you start the song off. On the east side, I get high. You already know. Hey, on the set, though, that's the first <laughs> record I sent to Cuz that. Man. I located the beat. I sent it in with my verses with no hook. And then when he sent that back, I remember, like, I was like, God damn. That was the first time I sent you something without no hook on it. He sent it right back with the hook. I was like, whoa. Shout yeah. out Cole T. And to be honest Cole with T, you. Cole T, yeah. Yeah, he did the beat. Yep, yeah. that's one of the only beats. And Sugar Free actually bought that beat. Like, we, we, we put in the invoice. Top Dog touched some change off that because that was, uh, we, we did that in Top Dog Studio. And Cole T was Top Dog the producer at the time. Yeah. So they like, they gave him a little deposit on the on the, on the on the beat, but then when they never went through with it, Cole T ended up selling that beat to Sugar Free. Sugar Free put it out. Ah. Uh, I gotta, I gotta listen to Sugar Free version, man. Ah. You know, shout out to Sugar Free. Same, <laughs> same exact beat. You gonna see. <laughs> but is it the same exact song involved? That's of course shit. not. You know, yeah. he, he did Sugar Free, man. And I did me, but you know, yeah. They, my song was still like pre-production. His song was actually been produced, mixed, and put out. Ah, but gotcha. you heard of mine? Just a two-track version of what we would have actually put out, mixed, and put out. Yeah. Now was that was that gonna be album material? Definitely. That was the intentions off top. Yeah. So was that gonna go like say all right, beautiful? Because did you do those uh, joints around the same now, time? Beautiful is like totally independent of. Like that's just, just you. Yeah, it's just me. Like what well, that record was initially as well, but like I said, I sent it to it incomplete, and then he collabed on it. But um, gotcha. Beautiful was just a record that once I did record and shoot the video, though I shot it the video with Dan the Man, who was an in-house videographer mm-hmm. for G Unit, a white dude. But he flew out here and we shot it independently of any assistance, help, or even knowledge of the label. Yeah. But so therefore, Fifty became aware of the video before, without me presenting it to him. And I remember getting a call one day saying like, yo B, you know you got a joint B. Look like you spent a quarter million on that video B. You spent less than 10 though. He like, um, uh, he had a whole marketing plan, how he was gonna run with the record and do this, do that. Just never no follow up, my nigga. Yeah. But if you notice, out of all the records about that G-Unit camp that you could point to that were established at all whatsoever, it's the only record that had any life that was not directly associated with exactly. the label. Yep. He had no presence on the record. They put no push behind it, no budget. It's the only record. So I can imagine in the long run, when he probably looked at the logistics 
it probably wasn't even a great investment for him if he had to do it the way it was going to be done. Yeah. Shout out Bob Lieberman. I had a pretty high-powered lawyer at that time. I'm also the only artist that he ever signed that did not allow him to suggest or refer them to the console that negotiated the deal. They tried to run a play to where if you go through the lawyer I refer you to, we'll cover the lawyer costs. Uh, yeah. And I took a meeting with the lawyer that they um, suggested the Jew man but just me being familiar with the uh, litigation through the criminal process it made no sense for my mm -hmm. counsel to be appointed to me by, by the people that I was negotiating against if I could avoid it that's a public defender so yeah, real talk, real talk. I, I remember at one time telling Theo Stoudemire which is 50 lawyer that I'm not comfortable I'm gonna get my own lawyer and I remember him going off like well he ain't gonna want to do the deal blame yourself such and such I remember getting a panic, like calling 50, like, cuz 50, Theo said, with you. I don't give a fuck who your lawyer is, bro. Let's get it done. Like, all right, so I went forward with my own lawyer. Yeah. But in the long run, you, when I start realizing who Theo, Theo Stoudemire is and how much business, he never, man, shit is crazy how the game go, bro. Nah, but I mean, just, just the fact you, you independently put that put that joint out and I, I don't believe it was any and correct me if I'm wrong but I don't believe it was any features from that organization in the video too though. not at all not yeah, one that was all not yeah. one yeah we had we had phantoms and high-end you know? jazz we had jets we had I literally had an individual who um his job was to fly and do aerial shots for like the soap operas and stuff mm -hmm. like no you see drone shots now yeah, we had a fucking helicopter flying over me on top of the beach, like coming this. And that high. shit cost. This was before drones was even and, made, and, and it cost. It was illegal, and the dude was letting me know we, we didn't pay nothing to him. He was a friend of mine. Shout out Robin Petgrave, <laughs> tomorrow's Aeronautical Museum. The program at the Compton Airport. He's a very positive man for the environment, but he's a friend of mine, and um, he was making these passes that would cost tens of thousands of dollars for me for free. And I remember being on the beach, Doc Waller. Yep, and I remember the uh, motherfucking like. The, the beach police pulling up on me like, hey, you got a permit for this? What do you, what do you, what? I'm like, what you, I'm standing out there by myself dressed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what you talking about? He's like, man, I know that helicopters come take pictures of you. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what he, and I'm like, like tell him that ain't us. And he'll like, get out the site and roll off. Then yeah. just come right back, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> and get some more. But yeah, um, that video was a, uh, it was a fun time. It was a very organic thing. It was, Dan the man was, his frustration with the camp was 50 would have him do all the like in-house videos mm -hmm. and I think he was on like a salary but every time he would get a big budget video he would go with go with somebody another, else. yeah like a Gil like, Green and, there you go yeah, uh, Benny you. Boom yeah the two twins who was the two twins the two brothers that were shooting a lot of videos back then I forget their names but um so the whole thing was of course me my frustration he was like let's do something show these fuckers like uh, yeah, I, yeah, so he came doing that shit with a chip on his shoulder. There you go. Yeah, he had a different there person. Go. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Now, what about the remix, man? Where you had Smurf on there? I think you had somebody on from Lanes. Like that Smurf was from Lanes, and um, I forced Piper on there just because purple doesn't really equate to the other two colors in our scene. But purple was Piper was an artist of mine, a dear friend of mine. He was around, so just being all inclusive, I kind of like gave him the challenge doing purple which was an extreme challenge i believe red and blue is a lot more simple mm -hmm. and a lot more um applicable to the overall but he's on there as well but to be honest with you throughout the whole process of that, of that record the blue the red verse is my favorite 
Shout out to Papa Smurf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just know he didn't even rap it on that beat. He rapped it on the original beat. Mm-hmm. Shout out to E-Rock, the producer. He's actually a white boy from New York, too. He, um, I had just pressed him, like, I had the idea of including, doing the remix, including the red verse, and the record had gained a little traction. And um, I just asked E-Rock for a beat. I said, I want you to do a beat like that beat, but different. Mm-hmm. And t- I didn't realize that that was confusing conversation he was like what do you mean like same beat but different like i wanted i but then i remember telling him that and him like all right and then we come to the studio one day and he played that remix beat that shit was so hard I'm yeah like, damn yeah and um i think smurf had already came and laid his verse on the original beat and then he just when he laid that shit like yeah smurf killed that shit i love his energy that he brought yeah now nah, for real was it was it any difficulties that you faced from your set bring not that man I, let me tell you something no extras on nothing i just humbly ask smurf ask p smurf from lanes cause you just gonna understand like smurf have been in every kind of hole in the wall ec function with me <laughs> late night never been a problem never <laughs> ever 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 on god <laughs> on set Hey, nah, you gonna find an EC in every function, man. From the no, East Side to I'm West talking side. about the EC functions, though. Oh yeah, that, that he was able to come. What? To anywhere come I on. go, anywhere. Let's like, and I'm not putting no extras on nothing. I'm even beyond um, dwelling in these environments, attending these type of events. However, the reality is, when I was frequent in this type of environment, whoever was with me, regardless of where they was from, we've never had a problem. Nobody's never approached me about somebody that was with me different than the way they finna get at me and the way they get at me is with respect and that's what everybody that with me has always received that's just the experience i'm not projecting that for the future in all my encounters but just so happened in the past Mm -hmm. anybody that was with me has been good anywhere i decided to take them always Uh, you're reputable that's what it is man man gonna take a quick break man more with spider low j5th man We back, we back. Hey man, facts over feelings. Indeed. Come on, come on. Okay, I like that. (laughs) I like that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. We back. Patio politics, man. SPI, J5TH, we locked in, we tapped in, man. So fatherhood, man. What what age was you when you had your first child? Um, let's see here. Um, it was 22 years ago. So I was uh 24. Man. Was you nervous? Cause you still was, I had, still I, was active, right? Well, I was active, but I had practice being a father because uh, her, my first child, her uh, brother, was a child of her mother. Upon meeting, he was two years old, so I kind of like was in a father mind frame. But that sense of fatherhood didn't motivate much um, sense of priority in me yeah having my first daughter did and although it created some awareness it didn't affect much change in my life as eventually having sons Mm -hmm. and from my oldest son to my oldest daughter there's a gap of seven years Mm -hmm. my oldest son is 15 my oldest daughter is 22 having sons affected me a lot differently in the sense that I felt responsible for setting an example for young males to mimic or copy. Got you. So, being an example for what to the 
show your daughters what to be attracted toward did not resonate with me enough to really start affecting the change in the way I carried myself overall for whatever reason. That did not resonate. However, being um, faced with the responsibility of being an example for these young men, I naturally started correcting a lot of things that I just knew were not appropriate. Nobody had to tell me, nobody. I was just ashamed of being perceived a certain way by children who couldn't even have a perception at this point in the future so i started just getting certain things in place and correcting certain things that i knew were inappropriate to try to show a child to mimic that was that was a man see so mm -hmm. it also caused me to really fall back from the industry and just the perception that i had the image i had developed for a long time i didn't know how to be super active and not be spotted low the crip yeah. gangbang rapper yeah so in order to not um, send any conflicting messages toward my kids, I just kind of fell back from it all because there was no way for me to approach it and be active and still be myself. Yeah. I didn't know how, so I felt it would be better to stop. Like, even my young boys, when they were born, they was coming up young boys. The only reason they heard my music is because their mothers played it. Never me. I, um, first of all, I definitely would not play my music or similar music in the car when I was with them. <laughs> um, I went through gradual steps of, okay, well, let's, we'll listen to things like Power 106 or yeah. KJLH on the way to school. Yeah. And here I am transporting two young girls to school in the morning, private school at that. And I turn on the regular radio station thinking that's going to be better than my music. And then the first song, even Big Boy Plays, says... To pull your panties to the side Oh yeah and It's like whoa Yeah Now I can't even listen to the regular radio I'm not finna battle this shit every day I just stopped listening to music in the car with my kids Start listening to talk radio Yeah And through the You know There's no way to hide exactly who you are My kids are fully aware of everything I've been through But I do Appreciate the fact that I was able to Utilize The experience of fatherhood to my young men As an opportunity to curve my lifestyle enough to where they didn't naturally mimic themselves behind a gang bang thug type of image neither of my three sons yeah have that type of aura to themselves they're pretty like nose turned up to that type of shit they not punks they not soft they not no busters but before they are followed or influenced to follow what seems to be the cool negative crowd they're more um, motivated to be individuals and do what they feel is cool on their own. And I just feel fortunate because if you look at me and my public persona, <laughs> yeah. it'd be easy to see that I would, my boys would be doing something different. So I, I really want to thank them and just express appreciation to them as young men for making decisions um, that I can be proud of because at their age, I wasn't always wise enough to make those decisions. I just hope from the deepest depths of my soul that they continue to make decisions in that direction. Yeah, and I believe they will. Just keep, living, keep living how you living, man. Thank it, you. It, it, take, it takes a, a great parenting too, man, to do that, for them Thank not you. to follow the same footsteps. Um, they 13, 14, and 15 at, the, at this moment. That's dope, that's dope. Uh, and I'm just to attest to what you said as far as like not having them listen to your songs in the radio. That's that's way I commend you on that because you know I have my uh, two and three year old saying uh, East Side ECG man, uh, East Side East uh, They in the car. My my son Ma called me. Was like you got you got them listening to Spider Loke. I'm like what? What you talking about? She like because when we was in the car, he said 
E slide E C G. Then we slide E Steve. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Girl. But then she started laughing. So you know. <laughs> hey, that's crazy because I have a nephew. Shout out to Maru. I love you. He uh he like sixteen and. He's like, he's my adopted nephew because of my best friend, Puto, from Great Right, Rare Red Stars, and everybody know who he is. Anyway, before I had a son, he was our son. He's mm-hmm. about a year older than my son. And we got a we got an album we did with some music where we had him in the studio one day, like at one years old, just <laughs> saying everything irresponsible you can imagine. <laughs> Fuck you, nigga. Yeah. Like, I got that for an intro. You bitches. <laughs> and like, I never, by the time I had my boys, I knew way better. I would never have done that at that time. And I remember having to apologize to my nephew for, you know, doing him like that. But you know what? Around six, seven, eight years old, though, I told my sons, though, like, I don't give a fuck if y'all cuss. We together, I'm around, ain't nobody else around, cuss all you want. Yeah, yeah. Don't have me coming nowhere where you ain't supposed to be cussing because you cussing. I've never had a problem with them cussing. They they cuss in private See? and in public. They know how to speak correctly. But I've been mad that my niggas talk real foul after. <laughs> this what really coaching taught me that. Like yeah, yeah. I was like, I had no idea how foul the average kid mouth was around here. Man, so I wasn't gonna have my niggas out here. The only niggas can't cuss. <laughs> you feel me? Like these kids is bad as fuck. They cussing in front of adults. They don't give a fuck. So y'all ain't and the shit ain't off off limits to y'all either. Just don't get me in no trouble cussing. Cussing, yeah, and cussing. They ain't never you. got me in no trouble. So they outgrown it now, but it fuck you up though. When you chilling in your room, your kid in the next room, and he 11, 12, and he playing a game, man. <laughs> Starts sounding like a grown man. You gotta remember, I told him it's cool. Like, God damn. Yeah. They know how to cuss like us. Yeah, real shit. <laughs> oh, God. So with that, what they in there playing, man? Madden or what? Nah, they don't even fuck with Madden. Like, we fuck with Madden. That was something I put on. They like, they fuck with us. Shooting shit. They shooting shit. They, not only do they shoot shit. So like Call of Duty and GTA and all that All shit. that. But they got also, when they put the controller down, they got the real airsoft shits to all the oh, master yeah. <laughs> they know all the specs the shits they know they into that shit yeah now let me let me ask you man did you ever face any like um because we we like to talk about mental health a lot on this show did you face any of that just going through the whole celebrity shit coming from like hum, like i don't know the society is so sensitive mm-hmm. they classify so many things as mental health and all that mm-hmm. a lot of that shit i think we just go through is a bad day sometimes yeah, real shit <laughs> so but when i look at my overall experience i just try to be as objective as i can and not pamper myself but if i had to be like outside looking in i probably could um classify some of my experiences as challenges with mental health however it's probably not evident to anybody else around me some of my my days have been real dark and yeah. a lot of time nobody knew yeah so i don't know you know that mental health word is such a trendy word yeah yeah i'm not trying to put myself in no category to gather any sympathy but i know some a lot of my days have been darker than the current ones yeah how did you get through them realizing that um for the most part outside of having something to live for outside of myself which is my offspring Um, a lot of times we go through, especially when you venture out into the type of uh, industry lifestyles I did, you start looking for other people to um, help you reach 
the levels of satisfaction that you're desiring. It just seems like it's always about the network. Who can I mm-hmm. meet that's going to help me get here and here? And once Real they commit shit. to this, who's going to keep their commitment and all that? And I've really developed the process of no longer reaching out whatsoever and only reaching within yeah, and being receptive right. to those that reach out toward me, yeah. which is that's why it. I honor and respect the fact that you guys keep me included in you guys' progress so much because I've reserved myself to only be receptive to that type of energy. And a lot of times it seems like it's not rampant. Yeah. So when you find some real official motherfuckers putting shit together that keep you in a spectrum of thought, it gives you more dedication to what you committed yourself towards so I want to say thank you again nah, man. for keeping me um, amidst y'all consideration because I don't reach out much whatsoever anymore because I seem like the creator is teaching me through my personal process reaching out looking at other humans and desiring for them to better my situation is showing a lack of trust in what we already got going on yeah and that's just my personal experience. Yeah, nah, man. No so thing. I reach in versus reach out. Real shit. And thank you, brother. We know we appreciate you. We appreciate you because when Jazz was like, man, we got Spider. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. I'm like, damn, man. Like, can we afford Spider? I'm like, nigga, bro. Stop dude. it. Yeah. Stop <laughs> it. Because I'm like, nah, hey, nah. It. But 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 no. The thing is, I man, know exactly where that thought come from. <laughs> I would tell you like this: this round on both of the ventures that we discussed, and I ain't even mentioned that conversation at all. So. I appreciate what we already transpired and how honest y'all was the first time, how everything, you know, how you get through the awkward conversation. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and now just, you just let me know what it is when it is. I ain't tripping. Nah, and likewise, brother, like uh, real shit. Jazz will tell you, K will tell you, T will tell you. Whenever you need us, just let us. You you know. You know oh, wait, hold on now. Nah. No. Hold on. <laughs> I put in a small request and I was denied immediately. Wh- which one was that? Oh, see, he, uh-oh, oh, he looking look- at Jazz. Look, look, look. <laughs> well, I made I did not I made an inquiry and it wasn't quite in the form of a request. I just I just inquired about certain aspects of y'all uh facilities and you know how available they might be to outside sources and they I was expressed to me that were totally unavailable. Oh shit, okay. Very quick, yeah. Oh damn, damn. Okay, we go we gotta talk about that then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 look, Jazz. No, sorry, look, Jazz in trouble. What the fuck you doing, Jazz? No, she, no, she, she, no, no, no. she just gave me policy. She gave me company oh, policy. Got, got you. Got I didn't you. even get at her with no fam bam energy. She just gave me public policy because it was not even personal. Like, yeah, yeah. I request. Yeah. I asked her just in general. Yeah. What they, what y'all practice? I, I think was. Jazz going off of when we uh, was shooting that scene at the house. She seen all of niggas from the east side of it, and she was like, "This is this di- this is nah, this a different energy uh, right uh, here." I'm like Jazz, they uh, uh, we cool. Like this, uh, this East Side shit. She, hey, well, she need to be on the other side of the camera because she didn't show no <laughs> shakeness or nothing. She was on point. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. To we Jazz, didn't know, man. Shout out to Jazz. Real shit. Y'all don't even know that was that day we shot. That was my birthday actually too. No, no, we remember. Oh, okay. Because we we was trying to feed you and all that, but yeah. you know you you was on your oh, okay. shit. Yeah, you that like, makes that day a lot more memorable for me in, in general. Yeah. yeah, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope, man. Um, now the movie parole, man. I got some copies of that shit in the car. <laughs> just so happened, I almost brought them up, but I didn't hey, want to you be need all corny. To, you man. need to so I can buy mine because that shit is not online to get. No, but you know what you can find. 
a streaming service that make you think you finna click on it, but when you go click on it, it's, it's not, not available. Yeah. yeah, yeah, real talk. So That's I, Sal Martino. I don't know. He's the <laughs> owner of the film. He's a good friend of mine through the years. I don't know why he hasn't allowed it to progress to the next level. We've talked about it tons of times, and they always act like he's finna do something and do something. You know, I think a lot of time, us just making shit happen is based on the need to see shit happen. I think a lot of people in position where it's not a necessity to make something happen and they'll leave it mm-hmm. where it's at. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure he quite realizes exactly the potential of what he has if he compares it to the enormous amount of content that's available that does not compare, that is experiencing any missed amount of success. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's got, maybe there's logistics attached to it that he's not being honest about. I don't know. Yeah, and because it, it was a dope story. I mean, it, I've seen so many stories that are less intriguing. Real talk. Uh, far less well produced. It's like, it, it's it's hard to date the actual film if you watch it just from a general perspective. Mm-hmm. It's a decent effort. And with Especially the way, for that time. That that's what I'm saying. Yeah, not real shit. I don't, I don't get it with the, so many outlets available right now. I'm curious as to why he hasn't gone. It was, you know what he was current with before streaming. Um, Situation was what it was. It was Redbox, and that's where yeah. it was current when it was current Redbox. And I mm-hmm. think the fact that he broke even upon his investment at Redbox, I think he kind of like lost interest and didn't really realize the potential of the next level. Yeah, uh, hopefully he get that thing in circulation. You gonna motivate me to call him when I leave here? Nah, for real, for real. Up, Sal? Nah, real talk. Cause he always bullshit me every time I call him. He himself, he got a bunch. I guess he got like a, a storage full of them motherfuckers. Anytime I call him for a box, he'll sell me a box of the movies. <laughs> I'll give him away and shit. But I just realized now, don't nobody have DVD players no more. Yeah, shit, I do. So, yeah, I, I need my copy. And you hey, got on a Pendleton, and you got <laughs> yeah. on Fresh Braids, Come and you on, got man. an Android. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> this is the point we was making earlier. JT, original Easty type, you feel me? Oh, me. So, was that your first film? Um... You- whether it was my very first, it was my most involved. That you, like, start though. Yes, it's yeah. the only one I've started in. And um, I believe, it wasn't my first film, no, but it was my first time starring and having a role to even mention. My first couple times being involved in film was based on a relationship I had with, a, um, and ironically enough, shout out Dino. Dino introduced me to a guy named Ryan Combs years mm-hmm. ago who was doing independent films. And because I knew Ryan, he was, I mean, um, Dino was Papa Smurf's manager, but he knew these people that were doing films and they wanted artists in the films at the time. At the time I was on the road. And Dino told me like, hey, I know dude doing a movie. It was called, I accidentally dumped your son. Super low budget, super cheesy, but it was a nigga who knew how to go get a few million for a few movies at a time. And we Uh... had... We had no idea. He was was so humble to effort, but he was really cashing in and selling these films. So, um... I actually dumb your son. He wanted a rapper in the movie to put on the cover. And at the time, Corrupt was in my um, constituency. He was a ca- I was able to plug Corrupt. Remember, Corrupt was doing big movies. Yeah, time. hell yeah. So I was able to, even though it wasn't, to us, it looked like he was on that didn't need to do a movie. He also do low budget movies for a few thousand too. Nobody yeah. knew that. So I was able to present him with some, with some white folks that, it really helped my rapport with him too because I'm like cutting those people want to be in the movie. Eh. Next thing you know, we shot the movie. I got corrupt in the movie, which caused me to be able to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I just was able to really stand next to him like his henchman or whatever, whatever. Yeah. But I respected corrupt so much because later on, the people who shot the film desired him to be on the cover. 
and him being on the cover was another payday. And he refused to do it unless I was included and also got a payday. So not only did Damn. I get paid, I got on the cover. And then the same people. That's love right there. Thank you. Yeah, shout out yeah. to Young Gotti. The same people shot a film called Bank Brothers. After that, shout out to Ryan Combs and Dino. And they wanted another rapper. And what I was able to provide was Crooked Eye. Mm -hmm. Crooked Eye was the premier artist on the row at the time. So he got the starring role in their next film. Mm. So that movie was called Bank Brothers. So those are both two titles you could look up. The Bank Brothers and I Accidentally Domed Your Son. Mm -hmm. Then subsequently, Dino, who plugged me with that, was friends with Sal Martino, totally different film producer who wanted an artist for a new film. And this time, I got the shot to be the artist in the film. And it was star. called Parole to Star. And Sal Martino had a prior relationship with Master P where he did a lot of editing for him on things like I got the hookup for free, a lot of favors. And he felt like Master P had owed him for a favor for quite some time. So I remember while we were shooting the film, it was a buzz directly from Sal Martino and around the buzz that Master P may or may not show up within these 13 days that we have established for shooting. See, ah, Sal yeah. shot, Sal taught a movie production class at Compton Cottage. Mm -hmm. So, similar to how you guys get down, same exact shit. Extremely low to no budget, but the actual production mimicked the major shit to a T. Excuse me. He has, he's married to a black woman. She's a lawyer. Everything is all the paperwork. It's, it reminds me of Sal. But anyway, um, I say all that to say this. Um, he didn't know if Master P was going to honor his word and pop up. We, he was not written into the script. He eventually showed up one day. He showed up for less than an hour and made some shit up off the top. How he yeah. fit into the story. <laughs> he came and did he did his shit. But the most memorable part about Master P being there, not only did he bring Lil' Romeo, um, if you watch the movie Pro, in the very opening scene, I'm being led down a, a hall to a parole hearing by a, 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 a guard. The guard that's walking me is De DeMar DeRozan's actual father. Wow. When we shot the scene, DeMar DeRozan was a student at Compton High School. Damn. His father named Frank was, while we were shooting this film, coming to me like apprehensively with a DVD asking me would it be okay if he showed me his son's basketball highlights from high school. Of course, you know how humble I am. Yeah, let me check it out, Frank. Ooh, he's showing me and telling me that what his son is about to be. Then it got to a point where he was like, hey, is it okay if my son comes up here tomorrow to meet you? He would love to meet you. Oh, of course. He came along with um, Romeo and Master P. Of course, he was not what he is. So, you know, met him, but just imagine there was a day when he came there as a kid, yeah. honored to be on our set. And then, um, also which made that memorable, I had a stock 07 uh, Tahoe in the driveway. And just when Master P was leaving, he asked me, that's yours? I'm like, yeah. My next question, P. Mitchell was popping at the time. I'm like, hell yeah, it was stock though. I'm like, yeah, that's mine. Like, I'm like, man, what's happening, man? I need some of the P. Mitchell's, man, what's happening? He was like, oh, for sure, man, ain't nothing. And like, uh, I'm like, uh, he's like, what you want, some foes? I'm like, hell yeah. I'm like, but if it's just as easy, I'll take some sixes. Cause I was like, he was like, nah, it's just as easy. I didn't think y'all rolled that hard down here. I'm like, what? But guess what? EC Crip with no sixes on the street. I'm like, yeah, sixes. So 
be like some nigga that was with me like get his number man we gonna woo so he was gone i have only experienced master p for an hour less than an hour of my life he got the temple so just think he gave me cuz number instead of your number so yeah talking to cuz like it's bullshit after a while and gave up on that shit well, ain't bullshit but it wasn't now in hindsight it wasn't that long that i got a call from that nigga saying Hey, you can pull up on uh Rosecrans and like Norwalk, this rent shop, and da 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 da. No money. Go pull up. They give me the three pieces, Santi P Millers, the Wooty Wops roll out. Won't they fifteen thousand on the invoice? Cost me a dime. So I'm in the street on the sixes. This is why I appreciate Master P as much as I do because he might not even remember encountering me, but because not only did he give me the rims uh, that were equivalent to $15,000 for free off top upon meeting him less than an hour it got to a point where it was time to sell these motherfuckers yeah. not only did I was able to sell them for like five bands before that nigga hit the insurance lick the insurance gave me 10 for him so when I really think about it meeting him for less than an hour it was like a 30 band lick exactly. you know what I'm saying so I got a lyric in one of my songs called Understood which is available on all um, digital platforms I say uh, Industry wise The realest from the past To me Actually Has to be Master P Damn Keep it a Google That's Only way I know How to do things <laughs> Tour with Titty Boy Before he had two chains In Georgia with Jeezy And the CTE Or the son of Easy e And the CPT Project <laughs> passion on the mic Like I'm giving a speech Spent weeks on South Beach Politicking with Meech At least you to think I was banging with a decent group they left the low banging when I beef with Snoop Never sneak dissing Just speaking the truth When you shoot from the soul It gets deep in the booth I'm a legendary native like CJ Mack Never left but to the That the keyway Cat On the set though like, on, on me Man so real quick man Tell everybody how they can reach you brother This won't be the last time you Oh uh, no, nah, you know I feel like this is home man. Uh, it is It is The most active Easy ways Spotted look most easty the number seven on ig i'm not really the social media type and then on youtube like we said earlier spot look most easty backslash youtube.com that's where i'm at other than that you got to catch me in traffic on my mama mama <laughs> and what about the black box if like let them that's know where the, the black box is located there is no time just quite random please tap in subscribe follow do all that we're gonna try to get it a little more structured but as structured as it looked it's really just a freestyle effort for me to continue going live staying in front of the google gang and my good people's man we're gonna keep building it though there's no schedule whatsoever but spot most easty is the channel on YouTube No mistaking the station Yes sir man And just before we go man I want to tell you Thank you so much thank It's you. been an honor A blessing from the most high man To have you yeah. here Likewise. And I know I know you refer to other rappers man As a Keyway Christ band But but for us on the east side You are Keyway Christ brother Thank you and brother we, And we thank appreciate you, you for being uh, Rest in peace to the love man. Yes sir Yes sir R.I.P. the Nip man We want to let you know man How much we appreciate you And give you your flowers every day brother Cause thank you deserve you. it man Thank you thank East you. side up man My rider Spider Loke man I'm gonna make sure I get me a copy Before his ass leave A parole yeah, You it. know what I'm saying You on for you actually <laughs> Yeah man. for sure Oh god Yeah ho hopefully we on fire Jasmine after what she, what we, Nah I'm just playing I'm just playing I'm just playing Yeah but hey now, do that She finna be snagged up Score <laughs> we finna start the rival company immediately. <laughs> it's on. Let's hey, go. Hey, nah, man. But it's the patio politics, my man. Spider patio Loke, politics. Man. Pop we here. Partner. We live.
Man, make sure y'all tune in, man. Tap in and tap out. We out like this, man. We hope you stay a while. Cause it's right for life. Trying to be part of your life. We got whatever you like. Come on and just give us a try. Yeah. Cause it's right for life. Trying to be part of your life. We got whatever you like. Come on and just give us a try. Yeah. I said it's right for life. Come in with the shows that you like We tryna be the best on the mic DJ playing cuss that you like, yeah It could be the start of your day Or maybe just the end of your night uh, uh. But if you rockin' with us Patio politics is gonna do you right Oh, Cause it's for life Tryna be part of your life Yeah, We got whatever you like Come on and just give us a try, yeah Try, yeah. We hope you stay a while